0: aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford, Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I faced it all, and I stood tall, and did it my way.
1: I welcome you once again to another estate planning strategies program, estate planning complications program, estate planning essentials to overcome those surmountable issues, thanks to our attorney, my good friend, who should be your attorney, the dallas elder law attorney michael cohen hello michael
2: My, well i don't know about the I, i'm not i didn't go to ohio state <laughs> Oh yeah, <the> ohio state, <laughs> that's right which i heard they just copy wrote that or now right, right. they own that right the
1: go figure whatever yeah that well
2: so all i'm right. going to copyright by the, the michael because well, I, I think of,
1: you should be <laughs> copywritten. is that a is that a verb because of your talents and expertise and all the things you've done for me and the listeners um, but how are you? I'm doing mighty great. I'm glad. You're mighty great. You're mighty adequate is what you typically say. <laughs> well, I still don't know what mighty adequate means. but It's kind
2: of like sort of pregnant. Sort
1: of <laughs> <laughs> cut you. um Today, uh, we want to talk about this late J- July, in the dead of summer, um, outside, property, real estate, and real estate deeds in this very hot state of Texas right now. And you told me before the show... There are lots of different types of real estate deeds that the audience needs to know about.
2: Well, yeah, because a lot of people get confused. They think uh, there's only like one deed out there, and they don't know the differences. But there's lots of different types of uh, deeds. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go over some of the different types of deeds so that people can understand that there are options. So when we do planning... um, whether it's deeding a property to a trust or just transferring a property to a child or, or trying to protect uh, a property from Medicaid estate recovery. Uh, there's lots of different types of deeds, and so uh, you have to know, you know, I always tell I'm bas- tell people I'm basking robbers, I just tell you what all the flavors are. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what all the flavors are, and mm-hmm. you have to see what fits. Good. So the most common one is a general warranty deed. So like when you purchase a property generally, Uh, you get a general warranty deed. That that means it protects the buyer from all title effects, even from things that the seller didn't even know about before Mm -hmm. they owned the property. So if there was something back in 1942 or something like that, that there was an issue, a general warranty deed, and a lot of times you get title insurance anyway, uh, that to protect the buyer if there was some sort of defects, there was a lien or a debt of some sort, or there was some other title defect. Mm-hmm. Uh, a general warranty deed warrants the uh, t- against title defects even prior to the owner, the seller, um, owning the property. So it
1: prevents any no claims against the property basically.
2: Yeah, yeah, at one time. Well, it, say, oh, it, warrants, well it the general warranty deed says seller uh, seller says I warrant good title right. uh, even from before I owned it okay. against title defects and then they get title insurance just to confirm that so that there if there was anything Then the buyer is protected. Sounds like Ironclad to me. Yeah, I mean, it's the most, typically when you buy a home, you get a general warranty deed, but it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have special warranty deeds. Hmm. A special warranty deed says, I'm only warranting the title of defects from when I own the property. So instead of going back prior uh, to that seller owning the property. It's Mm -hmm. only for any defects when they own the property. So uh, you know of course if that happens uh, it's often used let's say if you foreclose on a property it might be a special warranty deed or if there's a property seizure before you might do a special warranty deed. So it wouldn't be uh, you look at it it, sometimes if we don't know how somebody got the title, then we're not gonna do a general warranty deed. So usually like when we do a deed, and um, we we try to either ask the person if they have a copy of the deed on how they acquired it, because we want the chain of title to be exactly as the way they acquired it, but if we, for some reason, uh, if they can't provide it, or if we can't see it in the deed records, so we'll often look, usually deed records are a matter of, you could even see them online, uh, generally. So we look up online to see how the mm-hmm. owner, seller, let's say, acquired the property so that when we do a deed, that's kind of it's consistent with that chain of title. I see. Whatever I got, I'm giving to the net. If so, in other words, if I had, gotten the property by special warranty deed, should I give a general warranty deed? No, I shouldn't give more than what I had, Mm -hmm. because then I might be personally liable for that, those title defects from uh, 1942, I said. Whether they knew about it or not. Right, right, right. So, sometimes people have special warranty deeds only for them. Fascinating. Now, in different states, there's also, which we don't ever, hardly ever recommend, uh, but in other states, it's used much more commonly a quitclaim deed, a quitclaim deed. This really gives no title at all. You might not have ever owned anything at all. In other hmm. states, they use it. A lot of times people quitclaim a deed into a trust or they'll quitclaim a deed uh, uh, for uh, some sort of, you know, it might be if you have a claim, of. there might have been some sort of, a, oh, I don't know, a release of some sort. You're really just. It's really just a release Of your uh, uh, any claims of title Uh, so they might not even have an interest in the property it's certainly no guarantee of full ownership of the property uh, or that there are no debts or liens so a title company a lot of title companies would not even issue good title on a quick claim deed because you don't really have you're not given any title at all. <laughs> so um, common use, uh, you'll see a lot of times people try to get some sort of form online. They don't know what they're doing, or somebody says, "Oh, we just have to do a quick claim deed," and I'm in, I'm just going to give this to my brother, or I'm going to give it to my child, and then you're really doing them more of a disservice than doing a service. I bet. Mm-hmm. Now sometimes people do a deed without warranty. So you could have a conveyance, unlike a quit-claim deed. But you, even though you say you have no warranty of title, but you know, sometimes it's to clear up title problems. That, um, you know, so let's say, yeah, I'm giving a deed, but you know, it's just really there was an issue with the pro- property, but I'm not making any warranty. Now, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, sometimes people, um, you know, just want to. Uh, make some sort of gift of some sort or if there's a title uh, defect of some sort but they mm-hmm. just don't want to warrant the title uh, sometimes people make mistakes mm-hmm. um, There are sometimes you can correct them with Scribner's errors you know, whoever did it could correct it. Or sometimes you do a new deed. Sometimes people give you the wrong property, you know, something. There's some sorts of types, of different types of situations Mm -hmm. where you might do a deed without warranty. But um, anyway, I wouldn't do it. I mean, it's not
1: a a caveat emptor. I mean, if you're going to buy that and take that risk, unless you need it for some end-of-the-year tax benefit that
2: I'm not aware of, then I wouldn't take that risk. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done a deed without warranty, but they're out there. Wow. Amazing. I guess there's some people who just have to do it and take the risk. You know, most people do a mm-hmm. general, uh, on most properties, mm-hmm. uh, you do a general warranty deed. and uh, But sometimes if you didn't have a special warranty deed, there are these different situations mm-hmm. where you um, do different types of deeds. Um, sometimes you have even what's called a grant deed, which implies covenants of title, mm-hmm. uh, but But it's really not stated in the deed. It's just an implication. So the seller of the property guarantees that there's no conveyance to somebody else. Right. That's called a grant deed. Again, it's not. These are sometimes these types of deeds are not something that you see very often. In fact, uh, I rarely see either a deed without warranty or a grant deed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a title company, so I don't, you know, see it. I'm sure they see things uh, much more frequently than I would. Uh, But it's a deed that's out there. But Mm -hmm. again, uh, the ones that we see most often are either general warranty deeds or special warranty deeds, or sometimes we have transfer on debt deeds. Hmm. Now, transfer on debt deeds, what happened was, oh, I guess it was been about seven years ago, you know, particularly in, quite frankly, in parts of South Texas, there's a lot of people who didn't have wills. And so what the government says, we want to make it easier for people to convey property after death because there's all these title issues. If, you know, somebody begets so-and-so and someone else begets so-and-so, and you could imagine how things get, uh, how, how complicated it would get, and usually the <laughs> the ones with the smallest estates have the biggest problems. Uh, so to since people were not doing wills and usually somebody – The biggest asset that people had, if not the only asset, many times is their real estate, their home. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted, the government says, we want to make it easier for people to transfer property. So we're going to have a transfer on death deed. Now, I'm not going to go through. Well, I'll tell you. Sometimes it's it was really good there. Now, transfer. One of the problems with a transfer on debt deed is that there's no warranties of titles, no guarantee of good title. Mm-hmm. I had a case this week was a man never used before, but that was it was a perfect solution. So the problem was that the client uh, has some property in Oklahoma, and there was all there was some person that was making, I'm not going to say squatter's rights, but making a claim on title. Unfortunately, my client is 93 and has pancreatic cancer Mm -hmm. and is likely to die real soon. Mm -hmm. And so as long as this thing is in litigation, I can't give a warranty of title because there's litigation. Well, and if you don't have a trust, when you have a trust, you could probate a will. Uh, You don't have to probate a will. Well, if you don't have a trust, then you might have to probate the will in Texas and in Oklahoma. Well that's very expensive and this isn't that large of an estate and we want to avoid probate in Oklahoma not to mention well you could do it in Texas but so you could have a will here but we wanted to avoid, Oklahoma is more difficult to probate than in Texas, uh, so we wanted to avoid probate but we couldn't give any warranties of title. So we, since we think since she has pancreatic cancer that she may die before the litigation is Will expire. Right. So, as a result, to avoid probate, we're going to do a transfer on death deed on the Oklahoma property, and then the beneficiaries of that deed could continue the lawsuit even after her death, and yet they have title without going through the probate process. Got it. So here was a perfect example where a transfer on death deed could be used. Now a lot of times people do it, oh, for other reasons. A lot of times on um, maybe uh, second marriage. Sometimes it's, uh, or maybe it's not a spouse, or maybe. Uh, Sometimes there's, you want to do it to avoid Medicaid estate recovery. Uh, Medicaid has a right to go after homes after death, even though the home doesn't cast a resource. Uh, so th- sometimes they've used it for those purposes. Uh, so th- we, th- so sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good, and it really just depends. We, uh, Like I said in June, I think we said um, previously that we had – talked about 12 different problems with transfer on debt deeds. I'm not going to go through that today. A lot of times it's good it's simple. you can always cancel you can always change your mind. Uh, you know it's a matter of public record but and again, you could have contingent beneficiaries. so if that person dies and then it goes to whomever you want, which you can't do let's say on uh, if you do a life estate deed, Uh, which I'll talk about next Uh, but so there are certain benefits to it but there's also problems so then you have to say well what's the good what's the bad does it fit your situation Mm -hmm. a life estate deed since I just mentioned it is another type of deed so you could say I own this property but I reserve the right to live there for the rest of my life and it's still a home if it's a homestead it still retains its homestead status but the the grantee the one who gets it it depends on the language of the life estate deed. Some life estate deeds, if it just says I re- retain the right to live there for life and that's it, then the grantees would have an immediate interest in the property. So it's based on that life. So there's actually charts. The Social Security Administration has charts as what the value of that life estate is based on your age. Um, and so they have a percentage. You know, okay, you own point three, four, five, seven. You know something like that and the remainder beneficiaries own the remainder if especially if you're older then that wouldn't sure. that percentage gets smaller and smaller as you age mm-hmm. now if you wanted to retain full control you could add extra language you can enhance the life estate deed that's also known as labor deed okay. so if you say I sell I retain the right to sell mortgage lease I could even change my mind on who the beneficiary is now you have, it's a, a transfer subject to divestment. So I could change my mind. Mm-hmm. So it gets the, grantees get the property upon my death if I haven't changed my mind. You can change your mind by deeding it back yourself, selling to somebody else, or doing a new deed to somebody else. Uh, so that is an enhanced life estate deed. So two different types of life estate deeds uh, that you could do. Uh, so those, for us, you either see, and that could be a general warranty deed or it could be a special warranty deed. So we, always, I've never done a uh when i'm talking about the lady the life estate deed the life estate deed there's no warranties on title on a transfer on death deed that's one of the main differences one of the main problems too because on a transfer on death deed it could be tied up let's say you have a mortgage on the property and let's say that the the uh, grantee didn't have any funds and a title company uh, could hold up uh, the, uh, the sale of the property because under Texas law the, uh, there could be creditors that could come out of the woodworks for two years. Bet. And so they may not issue good title. And so if you if the person doesn't have the ability to make the mortgage payment so the property could get foreclosed on, in the meantime, that's one of the problems with a transfer on death deed uh, that you would not uh, necessarily have with a ladybird deed, uh, so there's l- lots of different issues. I know that's kind of complicated, but but the bottom line is you have to look at everybody's situation. But we see um, most commonly general warranty deeds or special warranty deeds that can be a life estate deed. So there's different uh, ways you could do general warranty deeds or special warranty deeds. One would be to reserve a life estate period with. Or you could give pa- where, with or without where you retain all powers.
1: Let me stop you there and talk about the next workshop that's coming up because that applies to everything you talk about. It's very, very important that people realize that I, I do a promo on AM now about how radio is free uh, compared to everything else you've got to pay for. Spotify, XM, Sir, uh, SiriusXM, uh, anything else out there that competes. Um, we're free. Just. All I have to do is press a button and we're right there for you. Your workshops are free. They shouldn't be. I think they're invaluable because you get to ask a question about your individual circumstance. You get a very uh, local, tailored, thoughtful, insightful answer from you uh, to them about their situation, which then creates a springboard onto the next step, which in my mind should be a vision meeting with you. But that next workshop is Thursday, August 18th at 10 o'clock in the morning and you should attend that they're in person they're not online anymore like they used to be during the pandemic and you get to do exactly what i just said and michael can provide you insight that you really wouldn't get anywhere else
2: well i appreciate that That's if you truth. do want to go that and by the way you mentioned podcast uh, you mentioned spotify and etc um we have podcasts of even of this show and all of our shows are on podcast and all you have to do is click uh, we have it on our website where you just click and Punch a button and mm-hmm. you can listen for, on free. Sa- for free. We like free. Yeah. And similarly, our workshops are free. Mm-hmm. And just like the podcast, all you have to do to sign up for that two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop on August 18th that you just mentioned is by clicking onto Dallas ElderLawyer com. That's Dallas ElderLawyer dot com. Whether it's for the free workshop or for listening to podcast. Where's the workshop at? It's Thursday at ten
1: o'clock in the morning, so they know it's during the work week. But you get to avoid traffic. And where's the workshop exactly? Well,
2: it's over by in our There's a conference center in our building, uh-huh. uh, which is. I guess the closest big streets are uh, LBJ and Central Expressway. It's really, Mm -hmm. uh, if you know where Medical City is, it's right behind Medical City. Um, Anyway, to attend that free estate planning essentials workshop, which is two hours. It's free. You'll learn a lot. We ask people what you want to know. You, mm-hmm. you get your questions answered. You hear what other people have to say. Free donuts,
1: free coffee mugs, free coffee, M coffee mugs, so they're branded, which is nice, too. Yeah. Maybe we should put your picture on the other side of those coffee <laughs> mugs for the next round. What do you think?
2: Well, I don't know. My
1: picture's at the post office, so I'm very wanted. <laughs> sure. well, well, use that one, because I, I think it'll be up there for
2: a long time to be really honest.
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: uh, the, I, might, I t- might tell you, I don't know if we're going to run out of them, but we probably, which we probably will at the next workshop, but if there's still any more KWM uh, caps, uh, we those, were, those went like hotcakes. Yeah, people like hats and caps for yeah, sure. Yeah, anyway. Okay. So uh, to attend that next free estate planning essentials workshop where you get to answer your questions without charge <clears> on <throat> estate planning. And if you go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, uh, I should mention that we give a free one-hour vision meeting. Uh, so all without a uh, charge or obligation, uh, all you have to do, that's three free hours of free le- legal education without obligation, is to call 214-720-0102, that's 214-720-0102, or sign up online at that Dallas DallasElderLawyer.com uh, site, which as I mentioned, you can also get podcast of as well, Dallas elderlawyer.com. You know what I like about
1: this, you, all of it? As you've been saying for years, you're Baskin-Robbins. But there is no panacea here. I love the Lady Bird Deeds. I love Transfer Upon Death for Sarah. I love all those things you've established, and I have no worries. I sleep great. I'm a great piece with all of it. But as you were talking about five, ten minutes ago, um, that cost-benefit analysis idea came to mind where you just – with your great neutrality and objectivity, just present to them their options and then let them decide because it's really up to them in the end.
2: That's the whole idea, I think, on our approach on estate planning is to let people know what their options are and let them make the decision what's best for them. Some people like simple wills, for example. Some people like wills that are more complicated that want to protect, uh, have layers of protection. Some people want revocable living trust, you know, to avoid probate, avoid guardianship, have privacy, some different issues. Some people like a revocable trust because they want to plan for either credit protection or maybe uh, to protect if they don't have long-term care because the cost of long-term care is so great. So they create different types of trust uh, for that reason. Some people have are disabled. You know, it really, it just, there's so many different options that what we do is say well what fits your situation right. and let you decide what you want but with flexibility
1: yeah, you yeah. make sure that it's not irrevocable for lack of a better word
2: yeah, well, I mean, sometimes people want something totally irrevocable, but even on the irrevocable trust that I just mentioned mm-hmm. the, on, um, for long-term care, we put elements of control. So for IRS purposes, it's considered yours, but for Medicaid, it's not uh, yours. Uh, it's been considered a transfer. I see. So it really you know, gets kind of complicated, but we have to explain the options, and then people need to make the decision, what fits me? And that's whatever they want. I, it really doesn't it, – all it really matters is what you want, not what anybody else – And you so, make it clear to them, too, I'm sure, without sitting in on all those meetings, which I never have, that
1: if they need to make changes, they can, or else if you do this, you can't make
2: any changes. Yeah, you know, even on the irrevocable trust, mm-hmm. this week we do different changes to that. an irrevocable trust. Amazing. So there's these different things, so where you could change the amounts that the beneficiary may get or mm-hmm. who the trustees are. Mm-hmm. There's different things you could say that it's kinda closed. The mm-hmm. box is kinda closed. So it's a
1: fake irrevocable trust. Well something. it's not
2: fake. It's uh-huh. just so so the Internal Revenue Code says certain things that if you put these things in the drafting of the documents we consider it yours Mm -hmm. so if i could if i give this power to change who my beneficiaries are they consider it might be you're still yours Mm -hmm. so sometimes say oh gee uh, uh, i don't want this person didn't do what i wanted so i'm going to change the amount that they get or cut them out completely Mm -hmm. so if i even though the trust is irrevocable you might be able to change who your beneficiaries are, how they get it, or what the amount that they get. I don't think it's crafty.
1: I just think it's creative, and it's the law, and no one's breaking the law, so I'm glad you do that.
2: Yeah, it's just so anything. It's just like anything uh, on all, all options, whether it be deeds or it be mm-hmm. on uh, estate planning documents, and some of these deeds are in connection with estate planning, and that's why we're mentioning it today. Mm-hmm. We just mentioned the Lady Bird deed. We just mentioned transfer on debt deed. Uh, then there could be deeds in connection of transfer of title on a child or to a trust or whatever mm-hmm. so uh, all those things are important and and we have to kind of look at them before we make it we look before we leap and then we so it's just like anything to make a good business decision you have to know what you now have to know what your options are even if you're going in for surgery uh let's say uh you know uh, you say gee um do is it worth having the surgery or not what are the options what are the, the success rate you know, it's just like anything. So, how difficult is the surgery? You know, mm-hmm. you know, you just—it's anything. You should say, well, just tell me what my options are before I choose. Right. You go to Baskin Robbins. You don't just—you know, well, you may know what you want already, but if you've never been to Baskin Robbins, they say, oh, maybe I like to taste the different flavors." <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly, and that's what's smart about
1: you. And you give them the options. That's always the case. Um, you don't have an opinion. You might. They might ask you for that, which I have many times and Michael, if you were me, what would you do? And you told me, you tell me that all the time. And but you leave it up to the person. That's why the program starts with I did it my way. It's not Maya's in Michael's way, it's Maya's in the listener's way, what's best for them personally, professionally, financially, spiritually, religiously, whatever the reasons are,
2: and then you facilitate accordingly. Yeah. It's, it, the, the goal is to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. All right, sir, so we got one minute. Oh, well, mm-hmm. then I'm going to just say a couple things. First okay. of all, a deed of trust is not a deed. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> it's like a mortgage. Okay, So it's just securing the payment of a lender that if you don't uh, pay the, the uh, mortgage, the, the note, right. or if you don't comply with certain things like take care of property taxes or whatever, mm-hmm. they could foreclose. Okay. And then I'll mention there's a couple other types of what's called fees, simple to terminal deeds, mm-hmm. where they have certain conditions. If you don't do a certain condition, it could either go back to you, or it could, you could have the choice to go back to you, or it could be a choice where it goes to a third party. So one's called a fee simple determinable, another is called a fee simple subject to condition subsequent, mm. and another is a fee simple subject to executor, executory uh, limitation. So those are all forms of a fee simple determinable deed uh, that most people are probably not aware of. No. Um,
1: Last program we talked about eight myths about wills. There's a lot more than eight. You talked today, you try to get to eleven types of real estate deeds in Texas. There's probably a lot more than eleven. And and growing as we speak probably this morning is probably some attorney coming up with number 43 <laughs> in terms of real estate deeds that needs to be done. And they're much smarter than I am and ever will be, and that's fine. But that's why you have Michael Cohen who can help you make the right decision to that end. Attend his next workshop, which is Thursday at 10 o'clock on August the 18th. To do so, dial 214 720 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. And I thank you very much, Michael Cohen.
2: Thank you, Don. The record
1: shows I took the blows and did it my
0: way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop, by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102.